Welcome back to the In The Know On The Go podcast. I'm your host, Ollie Laleve, and the plan is every week to go into a new topic or business in a way that's short, sharp, and just bloody easy to understand. So I'd love to know if you guys think we're actually achieving that. I'm sitting here on Wadarung Country down in Geelong and extend my respects to wherever you're taking our podcast and listening to it. Today, we're getting a rundown on a pretty interesting business. They definitely caught my eye. It's an emerging, I guess, innovative solution in terms of farm inputs. And we're joined by PyroAg CEO, John Mellows, who's here to help us understand a little bit more about this product, the wood vinegar, which is going to be pretty interesting. John, how are you, mate? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me on, Holly. Mate, I'm intrigued. This PyroAg wood vinegar, you're an engineer by trade, so can you just tell me a little bit about your background and how that intertwines with agriculture? Ah, well, I'm a civil engineer by trade, so early on I actually worked in the bush a fair bit. Uh, I've also married a girl from the bush, so that gives me a bit of bit of a background into agriculture, but I've always thought that uh, there's a lot of opportunity in agriculture uh, and wanted to get involved in it some way. Yeah, that's that's essentially where I've come from. I haven't been there as, as a sort of young bloke. Yeah, watching harvests and and all the activity go on, I, th- I thought this is um, this is interesting. So for you, out the back of Brookvale, there, what what are you guys up to, and what is pyroag? Okay, pyroag is a liquid that we um, we get when we pyrolyze wood or woody biomass. So you know, it can be nutshells or or wood chip or anything kind of woody some people in the states some people use uh, straw or switchgrass or um, other inputs what happens when you pyrolyze something you 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 chuck in your wood chip you heat it up you heat and and evaporate out all the moisture and also a lot of volatiles there also in the intense heat things break down The, the, the the lignin and the cellulose and the hemicellulose break down into their original components, you know, their, their, their atomic components, you know, the hydrogens, the nitrogens, the oxygens. And then in that heat, they reform into all sorts of weird stuff. Um, one of which is, some of which is sort of methane and, and carbon monoxide and whatever, which gives us a nice clean burning gas that we can reuse from the machine. Um, the, the carbon mostly stays in the, in the, um, the charcoal, which the chip has now become, and then there's this third product, which is the wood vinegar. So it's it's got a lot of mainly water, but it's also got a lot of um, uh, organic acids and other trace really in minor elements, various strange chemicals. So I think interestingly, and I've over the years heard different people talking about using straw and compressing it into pellets to use for for burning, for instance. You guys can actually take a waste product and create it into a high-value good of a different kind. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we've done work with macadamia nutshells, almond almond husks, I think they call them, but it's a sort of a nutshell-y thing. Um, we could take – it's very difficult at the moment with, with the EPA regulations, but we could probably take around about 30% of, you know, just people's garbage and put that through if we if – we, if we were allowed to, um, yeah. So we can take all sorts of solid waste and and push them through. And so you're creating the three different products. There's, as you said, there's the gas, there's this biochar product, and then there's this wood vinegar. So out yep. of that, in terms of 
ranking them? Is there one which is kind of the premium product or are they all kind of beneficial in different ways? No, no, no. They're all beneficial in different ways, especially, look, the, the biochar or the charcoal and the wood vinegar um, value-wise, at the moment where the markets are, they're probably about equal. Uh, the gas is um, there's not a lot of monetary value in the gas. It, it, you need to be using it where where you are. That's not it's not worth storing or compressing or anything like that. But you know, if 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 someone's got if someone's importing gas onto their site for for a heating process, then we're a good fit for that. Having said that, um, you know, the char and like I was saying that again, the char and the wood vinegar are really where the, the value is at the moment. And so just in terms of the, the just visiting that process again, um, if we were to use some numbers and I'm going to ask you to explain it to me like I'm five years old so I can wrap my head around it. But if, if we were to say you got 10 ton of input, what does that look like in terms of those three different outputs? Okay, so 10 ton of input would give you about uh, two and a half ton of uh, char, say 25%, and somewhere between 30 and 40% of wood vinegar. So what's that, three or four ton? Then the rest is coming out as the gas. So there's a lot, obviously, yeah, there's a lot of energy, there's a bit of energy in the gas, and that's where that all ends up. So for you guys at the moment, what kind of volumes are you? putting through and where are you actually getting your products i guess your input products from our input products we're getting them from various places so we've got a it's it's a pilot plan at the moment uh we're only allowed to do 200 tons per annum of input product uh so we're getting them from various places one in particular that we get from is that there's a sawmill on the in north coast that we get a lot of wood chip from and we're planning to have a site a project there in the near future but we've taken all sorts of stuff. We, we've taken arborist waste and, yeah, as I said before, nutshells and all that sort of stuff. And so at the moment, the pilot plan, if we say off those conversions, it's about 60 to 80 tonnes of this liquid. Yep. What is that kind of worth uh, to the farmer who's actually trying to purchase it? Uh, what, what, what does it cost him or what's it worth? Oh, well, that's... You can decide. <laughs> but um, it costs him about four thousand bucks a ton. Uh, what's it worth? Well, I guess that I guess that's hard for me to say because I'm not a farmer. But uh, I can say that people who bought it generally come back. And so, who are those customers that are actually buying this? And are they buying it at a, at a ton rate? So I guess because we're talking about a liquid, it's at a thousand liters or. 20 litre drum for instance yeah. how much are people buying depends what sort of farmer they are but with the cropping guys we found they you know start with a couple of 20 litres to try it then they move on to a 200 then they move on to a shuttle you know a thousand litres then again you're at the smaller end you've got veggie growers who, who walk into a shop and buy 20 litres at a time so there's there's that sort of variance and how are people applying is it on its own amongst other products no no definitely uh can be applied on its own for a sort of general health thing, but um, it generally does get applied with other products. We um, obviously don't want farmers to to spend all their days out on spray rigs or, or, or spraying 
anything or spraying all the time. But um, we generally say if you're if you're spraying, chuck a bit in the tank. Um, there are times when we say, yeah, you might want to give it a bit more now, but that's generally going to be mixed in with something else, whether it's a microbial thing or whatever else they're, they're, they're trying to improve or treat. So I think one thing which I guess the, the skeptic in me asks, like putting new products and these emerging products out onto paddocks can come with a bit of risk for farmers. So how are you guys overcoming that? And I guess, is that why you're in this pilot stage? Yeah, well, the, one of the first things we did, because like you, I'm a bit of a skeptic, was to go to the University of Newcastle, and there's a chap there, Professor Melavarapu, I think it is, and he's part of the Soil CRC, and we said to him, look, what do we, what can we do to make sure this, this stuff is not going to do damage, first of all? And so they went and did um, some research on it, and they, they do a whole lot of weird tests where they put it on fleas and um, onions, and <laughs> there's a whole lot of standardised kind of um, organisms that they that they'll bomb with whatever you've got to see what happens to them. And they they check, you know, they obviously check to see whether they live or die. Then they also um, check their DNA to see if there's any damage to the DNA. And that study was it was found that at the rates we're putting out. There's absolutely no problem, yeah, you know, and and there's orders of magnitude of safety there. You know, we we say at most we tell people to put it out at sort of one to one hundred, maybe with the mixed water, um, and these guys were just putting it on sort of fifty-fifty water. So like there's yeah a a big margin of safety there after that. And so, what are the the benefits of it once it's applied to the soil? Okay, so we found. Well, the University of Newcastle guys again found that um, when you put it on at, at sensible rates, you're getting um, an increase in the diversity and number of plant growth promoting bacteria. So that's one thing straight off. They also found that um, juvenile worms survived better with the right um, amounts of pyrorac. Uh, there's lots of studies sort of start coming out. I was reading one this morning that was talking about um, oh, how wood vinegar enabled um, nutrients in the soil to be better uptaken by by rice plants. So it it appears that it's a it's a food source, and you say they use the organic acids, the microbes, to break down nutrients to make them available to the plant. Not only nutrients too. I guess if you if you if you're trying to kill something, they might make that thing, whether you're spraying on copper or whatever, more available to the plant. And so this emerging space, like I think it's been around for a while, but this nearly microbial agriculture. And so I think we understand plant science, we understand chemistry. This microbe piece seems to be an emerging trend. Is this like really the, the piece that you guys are trying to work in? And I guess what are you learning about the microbial activity space in agriculture and how products like yours are, are working with it. Yeah, well, it's a really interesting space. And I, I, was, I kind of look at um, soil science as a three-legged stool and we've understood two legs of the stool and we've been balancing on two legs of the stool. But the soil scientists are now really ripping into understanding what the biology does, the microbiology. And that's really interesting. And, and yes, we're definitely in that space and, and trying to understand we know it works, but how it works is is a tricky thing, and and you know it's a 
soil biology is a massively complex thing, so it's going to take a long while before we really understand soil biology full stop and, and in particular what products like Pyroag do. Is there anyone else in this wood vinegar space? Uh, there, I think there's one other in Australia. It's been used fairly widely in Southeast Asia on a sort of cottage scale. Uh-huh. Uh, they, they make their own in their own charcoal kilns and stuff. We, we got our toe in the water, or we got our start really from um, our Vietnamese and guys from Indochina. They used it a lot and they ended up in Adelaide and when someone said, oh, this is wood vinegar and they smelt it, they said, yeah, I know what that is and they started buying. Interesting. Yeah. Off this, like, where do you actually see it heading? And I guess at the moment you're at this pilot stage, where is Pyroag going to be in the next five to 10 years and what's the impact you guys want to make? Okay, so the next step for us is to build a full-time large-scale plant. Uh, we've got plans for that. We're trying to raise, or we are going to raise some money to do that. Uh, we, the the volumes we're going to pump out are going to be much bigger than now. We, we've, we've always been constrained by supply and where this will solve those problems. Um, we'll probably have, at the beginning, too much to start with, but we'll we've got other avenues we can... Um, we can explore to to you know meet that supply. Fantastic. Well, I think that's um a pretty good wrap of what you guys are up to. But in terms of people finding out more, where can they head to, John? Uh, just head to the website pyroag.com, and it's p y r o a g. Other than that, if you Google wood vinegar, we're we're going to be in there. Or pyroligneous acid is the is the technical name for it. Will will probably pop up in your search. We'll wish people good luck in spelling that, so we'll just stick to, to, the, to the shortened version, John. <laughs> Thank you so much for jumping on and having a chat and sharing more about Pyroag with us. No worries, it's been a pleasure. Cheers, mate. Alrighty, another episode done. Thank you to this week's In The Know expert for letting us pick their brains and answering all of our questions. And thanks to you for listening and coming along on this learning journey with us. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow In The Know On The Go podcast on your favourite streaming platform so you can stay in the know on the go. Catch you next time.